This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 6, 2 of 1. Welcome back fellow Trekkies, Trekkers and everything in between. This is TV Podcast Industries and we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 6, 2 of 1. I am one of your hosts, Chris of 1, joined by... Yes, welcome back fellow Trekkies. I am one of your other hosts, John, 2 of 3. I guess that makes me 3 of 3. I'm Derek, one of your other hosts. Excellent. Okay, you're the full house, the full package. I like being 3 of 3, that's pretty cool. Welcome yeah. back, fellow Trekkies. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much to my illustrious co-hosts for uh, covering for me for last week. Um, That's all good, man. Always, I, always I was kidnapped by the Romulans. <laughs> um, it, it was fine. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't even the Romulans, it was the Vulcans, because it was just a boring, logical conversation that uh, I missed. Uh, yeah. I well, we can tell by your haircut you have been uh, with first contact with the Vulcans. Yes, it, it is shaved, sharp, and shoon. Uh, much like a dog and a sheepdog. I was, or not even a sheepdog, sorry, a, a woolly sheep. A woolly I, sheep. Interesting. Yes. This always, always works really well on a podcast on an audio, audio medium, doesn't it? It does. So, uh, for those of you who know about haircuts, I have a, uh, basically a zero to a one fade on the sides and back going into a spiky front just because usually it is too big of a, my hair grows so fast. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I am like, as Shoe back my hair, hair. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going for the other one. I was going to be like a triple. There's always oh, a furry triple. There mm-hmm. you go. I was going for the Star Trek reference. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, let's get off the hair <laughs> podcast topic. And since you didn't, you weren't here yet last week, Chris, uh, there's also been some massive news on Star Trek Picard that you may have missed this week. First contact day happens this week um so part of that is an announcement about all the star trek shows and one of those was for season three of the show it has been confirmed that for season three of picard the final season of picard as we know um the cast has been announced we will have of course patrick stewart we will also have lavar burton michael dorn jonathan frakes gates mcfadden marina sirtis and brent spiner all joining the cast next season as their original characters from the next generation how cool is that very, very, very cool. I love that little little bit that they put up the mm-hmm. video. Uh, it just felt really emotional. It reminded me of being a spotty, sweaty teenager in mm-hmm. the 90s. Speaking of spotty, sweaty teenagers, well, where's Will Wheaton? <laughs> Why is he Wesley Crusher? I know he goes off with the Traveller mm-hmm. at the end. I'm like... Can he not come back? Can f- he just let like, travel back? I feel like there would be too much to explain in the story of the show if they brought him back. So it would end off being the arc of the season to explain what he's been doing. But it's, I'm sure the door is open to him to return. He has been hosting the uh, the after show, uh, interviewing all of these cast members over the years as well in, in various places. So he's definitely kept his hand in Star Trek. But I don't think we'll yep. meet very often uh, anymore either. So. No, no, he doesn't. But it is great to see. I, I got emotional seeing this. I, I was like, 
I'm I'm down. They're not even down and finished season two yet, and we're getting season three. I will happily go in. My only bit is, but where's the rest of the cast? Which is is that a spoiler? Is it not a spoiler? No, it's not because who knows can be in season three. They yeah. do say joining the cast, exactly. so I, they they I hope they don't all die in this season. To be honest, <laughs> surprise! Do, it does increase the stakes though for the cast of the current season. Doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. You want to come back? You better be good. <laughs> anyway, massive big news this week, and uh, lots of other news about Star Trek uh, out there this week for the. Um, anniversary i guess or the i guess kind of like a pre-anniversary of first contact day because first contact doesn't happen until 2064 in the star trek universe but it happens in april so uh, i kind of love that they do that every year because it's always fun to get the little trailers and uh information about all the shows exactly and given how much you know they have kind of foreshadowed or foreseen with some of the ideas in the show Mm. back to the original can you imagine if we did get first contact in 2064, how I know, it, awesome would that be? Unless it was kind of, you know, alien ant overlords. <laughs> I know, but I'm sure you'd see lots of Star Trek fans who'd be like, I know, don't do it in February. You have to do it in April. <laughs> don't come down. <laughs> Just until stay then. in orbit. <laughs> Excellent. But following on from that announcement that uh, obviously some of the cast are returning, some of the former cast of Next Generation are involved in this episode. Once again, Jonathan Frakes, the director of this episode. Uh, episode was written by uh, Cindy Apple and Jane Maggs. Cindy Apple wrote um, episode five and Jane Maggs was the t- wrote the teleplay for episode four. So lots of returning people on this specific episode as well. Yeah, exactly. And much like the upcoming show, Strange New Worlds, we get some very strange happenings towards the end of this episode. Who lives? Who dies? Who walks away into the distance? Well, only one man can tell us. No, it's not Q. It's not a watcher. It is our own watcher and teller. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us? Sure. Yes, I also go by the name Jay. Uh, when I'm <laughs> floating out uh, in outer space, causing mischief and mayhem. Oh, the J continuum would be incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> It'd be so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and so British. Uh, well, yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, on with the synopsis. <laughs> Agnes Durati's plan to get the team into a gala dinner for the Europa exploration mission hits a snag when she's unable to escape her handcuffs in the security room. With Jean-Luc, Rios, Raffi, Seven and Talon, depending on her, Agnes gives a little control over to the Borg Queen in return for her help. The team keep pilot René Picard in their sights to make certain she gets to secure quarantine before her mission. But as security becomes suspicious of Jean-Luc Picard, Gerati has to give over a little more control to the Queen to create a musical diversion. As Picard calms René and helps her back on her path to destiny, Q's coercion of Dr. Adam Soong plays out. He's been tasked with doing whatever it takes to keep the astronaut from her mission. Soong tries to kill René, but Picard saves her, putting himself at death's door. Rios calls in the help of his 21st century love, Teresa, to treat a comatose Jean-Luc under the radar. But Picard's issues are not physical, and Talon resolves to enter his mind and free him from the block that has him in a coma. Having failed his mission, a distraught Adam Soong returns to his daughter, Corrie, where his ramblings raise her suspicion. She hacks into his computer files and learns her true history. She is the final experiment in a long, long line of Soong's children. 
As Curry ponders her future, the Borg Queen steps out into the streets of Los Angeles 2024, now in full control of the body of Agnes Jurati. And walk or Shantae's away, does she? Whew, that was an ending with Jurati. Yes, yeah, it was. It really was. Or sorry, what are we going to call her? BT. She's not Jurati. Two of one. Oh, two, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Very two good. of one. Very nice. Good. Well done. That, that Now I understand the name of the, the episode. Yes. <laughs> but in case you didn't and you were interested to know about how we will go through it, just a quick reminder, we are going to go through three points each, our big, our small, and our medium. Yes, not in that order, just because that would be quite strange. But let's kick <laughs> it off with our small moments for this episode. Make it so, number one. Yes, our general orders. Who wants to have their first general order on the table? Uh, I will have a side of chips and... Uh, <laughs> no, no I'll, I'll kick off with mine because it's just about the framing device for the episode. Um, it's just something that, that kind of annoys me. It's a it's a kind of a standard, Chris, you talk about tropes quite a lot that you don't yep. like, and this is one that really annoys me because I used to use this in creative writing back when I was about eight years old where you start the story where someone's dying and then you go through the whole story and you check in on that person dying the whole way through and then it turns out actually somebody got there in time to rescue them and take them off to the hospital in time um i just don't like it as a framing device and particularly by the time it got to the end of the episode it wasn't necessary because you still had the possibility the whole way through that sung was on a mission to take down jean-luc picard you had that the whole way through and it ends that he takes him down by mistake. It, it doesn't add anything to the drama to the, of the episode, and I just didn't like it as as a, a basic framing device for the episode. You could have left all of those individual scenes out, and we wouldn't have had to see 90-year-old um, Patrick Stewart on the ground with blood in his face four times in the episode. Uh, I just don't think it was necessary. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It is literally an old handover from previous cable serialized television where they would have these first few minutes and then an ad break Uh and this was there to keep you for the first few minutes so you wouldn't turn over at the ad break and come into the next part that's what it is from exactly it's literally we have seen the inverse in streaming tv where it's always closed on a huge cliffhanger that you're like oh my god i need to let it run for the next 10 seconds so we get into it yeah um it works sometimes. I like if it's if it's a big enough twist. I I can't even I come up with a good. I have seen it employed well. Absolutely. Um, it's just very tropey, and it the key thing you said here, it added nothing. Yeah. It literally it it's just we wanted to put Picard on an operating table. We basically by the end is like we need Picard unconscious. Mm-hmm. How do we get there? Uh, oh, well, let's make him unconscious right at the beginning and then tell you how he became unconscious. Yeah, exactly. And you don't you don't need any of it. It's it, it, The story plays without all of those scenes in there. So I just thought it was a weird choice and I just wasn't, uh, wasn't a big fan of it, that's all. Well, I, for one, quite like old cable framing devices. I, <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it, um, to be honest. I thought it really, you know, did a kind of intriguing opening. It's like, well, how does he get there? Mm. What leads to that? I think the only thing they possibly shouldn't have done is clarify that Soong was going after Jean-Luc. Um, because in the previous episode, when Q is asking him, it's just Picard. Yeah. Uh, it could be Rennie, it could be Jean-Luc. So I thought maybe, you know, that 
didn't necessarily help it, uh, to be honest, just to get, have an idea. Because it could have gotten Rene and was, Picard was down for some other reason. I, I just didn't know. I was initially thinking it could have been around the Borg Queen mm. or something like that. So I didn't really mind this, to be honest. And I think with the flashes, yes, we saw a lot of kind of unconscious Jean-Luc. But thrown into that were some kind of good flashes to what happened at Chateau Picard. You know, we'd seen them before, mm. but it, certainly in, in some of the ones towards the end of the episode, in Absolutely. those flashes, there was seemed to be a monster-type creature yep. there. Um, and, of course, when we get to the reveal of him at Teresa's medical clinic, it's that he is in a coma with effectively mental block not with um actually any physical ailments yes but again i will point out that is after the flashes of 42 minutes 30 minutes 50 minutes so you could yeah. completely disregard this and i will say i have about 40 or 50 essays from when i was about uh, 10 to 15 that you may enjoy reading shakespeare, <laughs> shakespeare doesn't get old oh, um, he's calling know. me shakespeare now thank you so much john awesome no, but i mean i, I it, it's a device <laughs> yeah. i mean yes. yes it's been used but doesn't make it irrelevant. Otherwise, why would we keep using full stops? Because they're always used. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but let's move on far faster because I'm going to keep talking with it. Full stops just for this whole episode. <laughs> Please don't do that. Okay, sorry. Um, I'll, I'll jump in very quickly because mine is a continuation on a Picard story. It's the meeting between Rene and Jean-Luc. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the, the old man, wise, elderly... Body uh, security guard? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, in every gala, you always have a 90-year-old security guard. It just comes with the territory. <laughs> um, but they come in and they're good and wise and give sage advice in an hour of need. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he's I that know, security guard that's just five days away from retirement. You know those, <laughs> you know those ones. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that. I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's 2024 America where I guess there's no old age pension or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So, you know, you've yeah. got to keep working till you die. Yeah, there you go. I, I just thought this was really sweet. It was mm-hmm. nice. The, the, the script where it has he, him ask her, like, tell me about that shuttle. Yeah. Um, and kind of like, and she then launches into this big kind of spiel about who it is, what it is, mm-hmm. why it is. And it's, it's really fun. It, it, it's a nice yeah. bit where he, he is essentially reminding her that, and it was really nice. It was just this talk about fear and that you need to have that fear, that adrenaline. And it does then lead into this kind of the Picard of the explorers. Mm-hmm. They are the first, the intrepid to boldly go where no one has gone before. Yeah. It's that, yeah. that kind of, it's ingrained in them. And Absolutely. I, yeah. That that's all it was missing for me. I was expecting him to give her that kind of additional final pep talk, right? Kind of that that line. I love how it ties into the series. I love that he he ties in his mother's uh, just yes. look up moment. Um, yeah. But this is how you use Jean Luc Picard as a character. His inspirational speeches are really yeah. such a central part <laughs> of, of who he is as a character. So having him say to her. She's going through her massive darkest moment. She's going through the moment where she feels like she's not good enough to go on this mission. And he's saying to her, even in the darkest of circumstances, find the light and let that guide you back to who you are supposed to be. And you're going, 
if anybody said that to me, I'm going to follow them to the end yeah, of the absolutely. Earth or the galaxy. <laughs> and I, I think it's 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 inspirational, but it, it's just it, that it exudes wisdom. Mm. It, it exudes that idea, and given it is generations of Picards here of sitting down with a grandfather or a grandmother with all this life experience uh, and then just having a quiet word where they impart some sage advice yep. or some wisdom from their years um, and it, it just felt completely right it felt mm-hmm. really good and um, just really just the, the it exudes Empathy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought this was beautiful uh, moment in the episode. Yeah, really good. Really, really good. Go to Chris. Yep. Rounding out the small moments, John, what was yours? Um, mine was just uh, Rios kind of settling into 21st century, really. Yes, it's noisy. Um, there's quite a lot of fumes around and all that, but he, it seems like he kind of quite likes that. You know, <laughs> he is kind of, he's that gun, gunslinger, but he loves the food. He loves the cigars and there's always music playing. And I just really kind of like that because, um, you know, I, the thing about the Federation, yes, they still have bars and, and so on, but, being on the starships, you very rarely see the kind of the down and dirty nitty gritty. The scum and villainy. Uh, effectively, yeah. I mean, the lower decks. Yeah, apart, yeah. Well, no, apart from maybe lower decks, you know, <laughs> that's kind of where it's come in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's all very much about, uh, diplomatic. It's on these military or, um, exploration ships. Mm. So I, I actually just really liked seeing them. Uh, the the different adaptations that were of the uh, the crew, uh, in the twenty first century. You know, we also have um Raffi just sort of pointing out that she's seeing Seven of Nine, really enjoying herself now mm. that she's free from the the Borg implants. Yeah. That even Jurati is a bit different, mm. not knowing the reason why. <laughs> Rios just seemed really. Full of fun and enjoying uh, this this time, sort of a bit indulgent. Um, and poor Raffi, unfortunately, is still seeing uh, uh, Elnor. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of not enjoying her experience quite as much in 2024 LA. Absolutely. But I do love that she describes um, Seven by saying, you know, I love seeing her without the implants because that's been such a weight on her. I love seeing her lighter for a while. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely kind of moment between the two of them but um yeah rios again with the unlit cigar even though it is a real cigar maybe it's maybe it's too precious to light it he does have some matches with him but uh but we did comment in the first episode that we saw him on a starship with a a, a cigar that he was carrying around and unlit because uh smoking's bad kids as you know. yeah that's it. i'll carry it <laughs> yeah, i won't smoke it i'll, but carry, I'll, carry it. I'll tell you how, how great it smells i'll tell you look they have boxes of matches in this yeah. in this uh this century but um, not going to light it, of course. Uh, but it is interesting. And I suppose the kind of wrapper on the whole thing is that Rios is telling this to Rafi, and Rafi kind of realizes, yeah, okay, I see that you kind of like this century, but is it because you found a girl? So, yeah, this uh, this lover boy Rios is coming out because he does have well, something yeah, special. That's, that's the other side of it. And she yeah. does warn him not to get too close yeah. because ultimately him being from 
many centuries in the future mm -hmm. that he will always have to lie to her. And I'm my own grandpa is what always comes to mind in these kind of storylines, right? <laughs> have you checked out the lineage of who her kids will be in future just to make sure that you're not your own grandfather? <laughs> oh my god, it would be so good if they did that. It would be so tropey, but I'd laugh for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> but let's move on to our medium moment for this episode. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. Mr. Harrison, do you want to take us away with your musical interpretation of your point? Yep, it is the Jurati musical number. Mm. It's the big diversion, the distraction that allows Picard to keep his sights and give that sage advice to, to Rene. Mm. Um, I just... I really like the, the build-up um, to this moment because... It had such a good payoff, really. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we've kind of glimpsed it earlier on in the security room where Jurati's just going to give that little bit of control mm -hmm. so that she can free herself of the handcuffs and allow the rest of the gang and cr or crew, I should say, yeah. into, into the gala party. So. And it's just here then the distraction and she allows a, li a little bit more of the Borg Queen in. I think the the really nice part about this, which um, I laughed at the time with the in the security room. I thought it was really just a nice little kind of comedy point where the Borg Queen just warns her about all the stress hormones that are not good for us. And you just think it's kind of a throwaway remark that the Borg Queen's just really being a bit um, pointed towards Jurati, mm -hmm. you know, trying to say, well, you really enjoy this, don't you? You, you? you protest too much. Yes. But that ultimately, when it comes to the big musical belter uh, and solo sing-along that, uh, that Jurati does... Mm -hmm. It puts the right amount of endorphins into Jurati's system mm. um, so that the Borg Queen can get control of Jurati. And she does with, I guess, that trope of the black uh, eyes uh, that then go back to sort of normal human eyes. I, um, I absolutely a bit, a love bit that. like in Supernatural. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But we, I think we've seen that before with uh, with the Borg Queen as well. So um, it is it is something from Star Trek, definitely as well. But I love the payoff for that. I yeah, absolutely love the performance on stage when Jurati's bowing and the Borg Queen is holding her hand and bowing with her is fantastic. Yeah. The setup of it when they're having the conversation in the hallway and you see Jurati reflected in the uh, the lunar uh, shuttle. Uh, the, the sorry, the glass case. And then the Borg Queen appears as she gets stronger with yeah. Inside Jurati. It's so well done in this episode. So, such great choices to kind of display this. But there's also been that niggling the whole way through from the Borg Queen. I love that. I love where she's saying to uh, Jurati, you know, um, it's been great. It's been great fun lying to your friends, especially that one you had intercourse with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Really great exactly. niggling from her. Really good. I think the other thing as well is that moment where Rios and Rafi are talking at the bar mm. and, you know, effectively while Jurati is going Borgish in, in a sense, I think the other side of it is yes, the Borg queen has, um, has effectively tricked her. You know, she's, yeah. she's played a long game here, 
But you can see there is a bit of seduction from the confidence that the Borg Queen has brought Jurati as well. So Jurati has allowed her to take control again mm. for this distraction because of that seduction um, that the Borg Queen has given her in terms of giving her that strength to break the, the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also um, in, in terms of how she's able to speak with other people. Um, so th- there's just that side of it as well, is that you know, Jurati, who is this loner, suddenly is socially very much more confident. Well, yeah, we see the uh, the very confident grab of Rios um, yeah. when he says he cares for her. Uh-oh. Uh, especially after kind of almost saying that he's going to stay in the 21st century for a woman that isn't Jurati, uh, suddenly gets grabbed and kissed by uh, by the Borg Queen Jurati. I guess. Um, yeah, not a, not a great moment for that. <laughs> and Rios has to play it by then pretty quickly, right? He does. And it's, it's one of those, it, it's going to, I can see the thing. It's the, one of the final episodes. It's like, but Gerardi, come back to me. Uh, and then she's like, well, actually, I don't like you that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I want, I, I, I want you to stay Gerardi, but like, not that much. <laughs> um, I, I, I really enjoyed this. I am going to, pull in a small bit of feedback from one Dr. Bob Phillips um, from later on in from our feedback section, but he did call out Jurati singing is proof that the universe is in perfect balance, isn't it? On one side you have Agnes, and on the other, Mr. Chris Jones. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> Dr. Bob. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm kind of like, yeah, fair point. That's a very valid criticism and or observation depending on um like Alison Pill does have a fantastic voice and, and yes. I was like shocked yeah, yeah. that was one of the bits I was not ex- I was like is that her or is that do you think there was a voiceover well, to I a degree? the only thing I've ever heard her sing before was one two three four uh when she was in Scott Pilgrim versus the world playing the, the drummer in the band and um, that's the only thing I've ever heard Alison Pill sing before but I think this is her yeah I think this is her voice doing the cover of the Pat Benatar song um, it looked it, it it was it was very I, good. Yeah, it was like that's all I can say. I was just like, I, it, it made me take pause because I, I essentially was trying to make lunch at the same time as watching this, mm. and I essentially was just kind of cutting a bit of an avocado for my avocado <laughs> on toast because I'm that guy. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like to I like to enjoy my lunch when I watch uh, Picard. Excellent. Um, so I was having some avocado on toast. <laughs> and, oh, dear, Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, folks. You're a, you're a trope of yourself. Did you have Chris? a lumberjack <laughs> shirt on as well? No, I had a, ah, a black okay. de- a black denim shirt. I will say. Was it there open with a t-shirt underneath? It, it? was always oh, tech bro to the bone. But fellow trackers, he did have to check <laughs> to see if he was wearing a lumberjack shirt. Uh, importantly, yes, <laughs> I did just look down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Jurati. <laughs> yes, anyway, I really enjoyed this. I think it's mm-hmm. it. it, it it's a fun musical kind of break, but at the same point, it it's not a for the numbers for the the, the reason it's there. It, it, it's making it makes sense in the wider storyline. Yeah. yeah, it's not just a let's throw in a musical number because we can. Exactly, and I was actually going to make the point that when Jonathan Frakes used to direct episodes of Star Trek uh, Next Generation, it it's been it's been um, turned into kind of a meme that. Once he was directing an episode, you knew some jazz was going to appear in the episode. You'd see him kind of walking around set with his trumpet. Yeah. Was the was the old joke? So, um, so that's what's happened here. He is directing an episode. He's got Alison Pill 
they do this great musical number, which is a jazz version of a, of a Pat Benatar song, a, a singer. Uh, gr- great lyrics that go really well with the fact that she's giving over control to uh, to the Borg Queen. The lyrics match mm-hmm. that perfectly. So really good choices there. But it's the payoff, the fact that she's got the endorphins that allow the Borg Queen to take over is what makes this scene work so well. Because you could easily just make it a throwaway. This is the musical episode of Picard. Um, but it works really well in context. Yeah. No, it really does. And I think we'll talk more about Gerati later in this episode. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, I'll I'll move on to my kind of medium point or Omega directive for this one. Um, Adam and his mission. Ooh, his mission. Like he is the, 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 the breath of change that we see in Brett Spiner throughout these two episodes. Mm. Um, as Adam on this kind of, being that disgrace, what we thought was, he's just, he's a disgraced scientist. Mm-hmm. Kind of like he's just pushing the boundary because he loves his daughter so much mm-hmm. to slowly kind of seeing this breakdown of him as Q has given him this, um, essentially the, the lifeline. Again, it's up until that point. It's all about his love of a daughter and the, the, the lengths he will go. Mm-hmm. to do it and you see this character breaking uh what we think is him breaking his moral code in order to save his daughter's life and it that was such a it was such a strong moment because like he's like i will do anything i will do anything to save you yeah. like yeah. i will murder a picard i will remove a picard yeah from the equation yeah and you're like, oh god, like this is a really nice moment, especially because of who the two actors are and our season one interactions with them. Yeah. In the, their, in their kind of android and, uh, <laughs> the, I don't know, it's mi- the mirror android self to whatever we're going to talk about on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just so interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's it. There's a real nice disconnect between, you know, what we've seen of Adam Soong. He- before this episode in terms of how he's caring for Corey. Uh, and then, yeah, this, what he will go to uh, mm. and the extremes he will go to. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the the meeting of Picard and, and Soong oh, in absolutely. this. I thought oh. them coming together, just really, really good. You know, yeah. Picard warning him, you know, he doesn't know who he's dealing with in Q and, and what that may mean. And so I, I really enjoyed all this. The, the only thing I thought which seemed a little superfluous and in the end, I'm not entirely sure why it was put in with mm. how it played out was him coming on the board of the Europa mission. Because what we see later in the episode is that the fact that he is a disgraced researcher has made public news. Yeah. And so. I guess the NASA of the day in 2024, maybe it's been overtaken by Elon Musk. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but effectively, you know, oh, you know, Hitler, in your come, you've got loads of money. And, um, you know, disgraced scientist with serious questions over his ethics and morality will yep. have you on the board of a very important space mission. So. That made no sense that the the chair of that board would even approve that yeah. unless because I think she did call him Doctor Soon. So oh, absolutely, it's, I, it's not like he Soon, hid yeah. his identity yeah. um, 
So I, I, I just thought that was a little weird. And in the end, I thought something was going to be playing out. Like he just says, you know, Rennie Picard can't go on this mission. You know, I've heard information from a therapist, which mm-hmm. is cute so that they're working together. There'll be something like that. And maybe there will be in maybe another episode now that he knows um, he's 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 failed in stopping her from getting into the quarantine, the pre-launch quarantine. So yeah. that was my only thing here. It just felt kind of just a little pointless, that bit. I think you might have said pre-launch quarantine, but pre-launch quarantine. That's what you meant. Right? <laughs> John's hungry. It's uh, <laughs> we're getting we get into the evening. I, I know what you mean. I was thinking about it just uh, just while you were making the the point there about what what Sung was uh, what Sung was doing, and I was trying to work out why he joined the board because it does make much more sense in the storyline that he would try to exert pressure on them because he's now a member of the board. You know, he even says to Picard, "I've got something to do," and walks away from him as if he's going to tell the board, "Well, now that I'm a member." We can't have her as the pilot, as, yeah. the, as the astronaut here. Um, and then I've just realized that what he'd really done, that whole um, front that Girati had to do to get into the party and get everybody all their passes, he just paid money to get on the board to get to the party <laughs> in one day. That's how he, that's his way of getting past the security, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so is that all that he's done? Has he bought his way onto a board of directors for, I would say, quite a lot of money? Well, just I'd, to bypass security. <laughs> if I was Rene, I wouldn't be getting on board that shuttle if they're the kind of people that they have on the board. Well, it's exactly. kind of like you know, the the the, the top ten bogey <laughs> men and women are you know from around the planet are invited to the Europa space mission. Board. But it's her destiny, despite all the challenges and all <laughs> the wrong people involved in this project, does end off bringing all of Earth together. There you go. <laughs> well, you know what they say. Money talks and well, Adam walks. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, like this. I, I really, I, I'm hoping there is more to it. Mm. I'm hoping that the next part is he starts questioning Renee in the second episode, in the next episode, because otherwise it is literally he just bought his way in to stop Ricard in that, in the, in the gala. Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't explain how Q knew they'd be in the gala. Like, that wasn't explained. So it's that kind of like... I think that's the thing, because Q is kind of depowered, isn't he? Mm. So you're like, you know, what what skills or or what abilities has he lost? Because conceivably, he could just know that this is going to happen because he's Q. But everybody knows that Rene Picard was going to be at that gala. And Q knows that the mission for Jean-Luc is to stop. Um, this happening so he knows that Picard would likely be close by but Adam Sung's mission is to kill or take out Rene Picard yeah so he's there for her and happens to be Jean-Luc while he's there he probably got the briefing from Q if you see an old guy there (laughs) Uh, that's that's uh, Jean-Luc Picard you need to talk to him Uh, so it wouldn't take a huge amount of knowledge to know that Rene was going to be there that's true I I guess yeah yeah okay so nothing to see here I it's all yeah I guess that logically makes sense to me yeah no that's it's a gala for the Europa space mission like your pilot to go there I I think it just feels a bit like him guessing the yeah as you say that is probably why he's used money to get on the board to get to the gala um, it, it but it like, just yeah. it, it felt like it was going somewhere with it exactly. and it never did. And then you realized 
later on in the episode that his record of being a disgraced scientist yeah. um is public knowledge and so they really need better due diligence <laughs> Yeah, yeah, money talks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it still feels like he could have done it cheaper, though. Surely he could have bought a ticket from somebody else that was going to the gala, or you know, <laughs> invest a, a you know a wing at a hospital is probably uh, probably less than uh, investing to become a member of the board of directors. I'm, ho- I'm hoping there's more. I'm hoping there's more. I think there will be. I think in the following episode, we hope. It was a fantastic scene, though. You're you're yes. totally right, Chris. Yeah. The scene with Brent Spiner and uh, and Patrick Stewart together. Um, antagonistic together, considering the last time we saw them together was yeah. much less antagonistic. So, uh, two great scenes this season so far from Brent Spiner. Um, mm-hmm. So, let's hope for lots more. Derek, do you want to tell us what your medium point is? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about the um, the kind of addiction uh, elements of the series so far. It's it's been quite interesting to me that they've, they've really kind of focused on this right back to season one. Um, if you remember, uh, Rafi was going through lots of addiction problems. The first time you met her, she was yeah. sitting outside, um, half drunk. Um, we know she had problems with alcohol and and uh, and drugs um, throughout season one, and seems to have kicked that habit. There's a little bit of that in here in the episode. You see uh, when she goes to the bar, um, she's asked what she wants to drink, and she sees this amazing. Uh, whiskey in front of her um, and turns it down in favor of some soda water. Um, but when she sees Eleanor in this episode again, you see her staring at that um, at that drink. So, um, so there is that that addiction is still in there within Rafi. Yeah. Um, that idea that she could turn back and could, as she used to do, drown her sorrows whenever anything is going on. She hasn't done that since Eleanor's death. So she hasn't resorted to alcohol or drugs to cover herself up she's remained raw i suppose yeah um, in some way but throughout the episode you see that with other characters you see that with uh rene um you know you see talon watching on as she starts downing shots and picard kind of politely going um does she often drink like this <laughs> you know and talon's kind of saying well only when there's a massive fall about to happen that's the yeah. only time she will do this kind of thing she's standing on her own at a bar drinking shots at a party thrown in her honor that's not a good sign really uh for for many people shots at a bar in a big party with lots of people around you all good <laughs> if you're doing shots on your own in the quarter that's definitely not a good way to spend your time um but yeah it, you're right it's a great way <laughs> <laughs> but it does also play into the overarching theme of the series so far with Gerati and uh and the board queen and the addiction that is the power that the board queen brings yeah, the support that the board queen brings in some way that addictive nature that that is uh, feeding into Girati. So I just th- I just think it's interesting how it's all being pulled out in the storyline and in, in, in all of the characters uh, and how they're responding to that addictiveness. You also do have it with Seven as well. Seven's starting to become really comfortable in this situation. She's getting exactly as as Rafi's saying. Rafi's standing at the bar on her own watching. Um, Annika, as she's interacting with other humans around her for the first time, she seems really happy in this situation and really addicted to talk to other people because they're no longer seeing her as XB, um, seven of nine, you know? Yeah. So everybody's getting addicted in their own ways. And I think they're, they're telling it quite well in the story. Do you think Picard's getting addicted to, uh, when I say power, I don't mean that, but, but you know, he's a captain. He's used to giving commands mm. and just that moment with um talent actually where he actually really asserts himself to say i'm going to speak to um 
to Rennie. Mm. I know you have stayed in the background and watched over her for 20, over 20 years, yeah. but, um, I'm, I'm going to, to break your code, the watcher code yeah. uh, of non-interference, which, you know, it is a little bit like first contact aspects of the Federation, you know, observe, but don't interfere. Mm-hmm. So he's suddenly breaking that Federation code mm-hmm. as well as the Watcher's code because he just simply wants to change the timeline. Yeah, and I can see that. So, you know, I just wondered if there was an element of that there as well. And also, is that thematically a genesis or a, a, like a point in time with one person at this time that we know so well with Picard that shows why this timeline moves towards the Confederation and not to the to the Federation. Because effectively Picard is breaking Federation rule there. He's certainly breaking the um the I mean they've done it in the past rule. as yes. well. It, yeah. You know, it's not sacred, but yeah. It's more it of a, it's close more of guidance. To, yeah, well, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's close to sacred. It's um, more of the fundamental rule of the Federation that gets broken often enough for it to be just considered guidance at this stage, as yeah. long as you're someone like Picard or Kirk or Cisco or uh, whoever needs to break it in that particular episode. But yes, it, p- partly that. And I did think it was a bit weird considering Talon was going, um, I'm a ghost. I've never actually interacted with her in the entire 24 years I've been together. I stay in the background the whole time. <laughs> and you're kind of going... Oh, this is your chance to step up and use all of your knowledge to encourage. Oh, okay. Picard's going to walk straight past you and just yeah. talk to her for the first yeah. time. Inspirational speech. Get it all sorted. Um, it did, it did feel a bit weird because of how she breaks down her entire life effectively in front of him. And he goes, okay, Grant, don't worry about it. I'll go take care of it. <laughs> um, but yes, maybe that's an addiction, addiction to being the authority figure, uh, potentially. But, uh, but I did think it was quite interesting pulling out the addiction and the, and, um, the alcohol issues that many of the characters have or, uh, could potentially have at least calling them out, um, in the episode. So that was my medium point. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good one. Fear and addiction are the, some of the main themes of this season. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. time, yeah. And I, I look forward to exploring that kind of when we get towards the end, of kind of what the the fear aspect, the addiction aspect, across all the different characters, because mm-hmm. it seems to be there's multiple on each. Um, but that being said, let's break down some other points with our main point for this episode. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. So there you have it. Let's get into our Prime Directives for this one. John, do you want to kick us off? Yes, although I just have realized that my big point is actually quite a teeny tiny point, <laughs> but actually might be a big point because it straddles numerous points. And right, yes. in terms of, I talked mostly about it in my, in <laughs> the Omega Directive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Jurassi the Queen mm. or Two of One. Um, so it's just that moment where, as you said at the start, she is, sashaying down one of the main boulevards mm-hmm. in downtown LA very confident and um, having seen her eyes uh, you know be seeing her body being taken over by the Borg queen with the 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 black eyes and what is she going to do it is that 
great ending of the 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 deliciousness of this relationship between Jurassic mm-hmm. and the Borg Queen. It, it it's it's to me like when I saw Picardus Lucius. I love that. It's still mm-hmm. one of my favorite at parts of Star Trek The Next Generation. And this is very similar. It's been done in a different way and, you know, arguably better, but um it's just really very, very cool. So it that is, is yeah. my I guess it's my big jazz hands <laughs> moment. Yeah, it's um, your big point. Exactly. <laughs> my, my big, big jazz hands in honor of Jonathan Frake. Uh you know, so yeah, and I don't want to just continue to, to compliment Jonathan Frakes uh, in this episode, but the framing again of the scene, uh, this beautiful red dress in a night scene, as yeah. you can tell the Borg Queen is looking out through her eyes at this new city to explore. It, yeah, it's all there in the framing of the scene. It's fantastically shot. Loved it. Really great um, button on the end of the episode. Uh, they've kind of, you, you hear the crew asking, Whereas Gerardi, oh, she'll she'll come back, um, and but we as the audience know we, we may never see Gerardi again. Um, yeah. So the Borg Queen has control. What's she going to do with this body and the power that it comes with in this world? I love it. I love it. What a great ending to the episode. Yeah. No, I I I, am, I didn't think I'd like this, and I'm I'm calling it. I I thought it was because we had called it so early, right. Because we were like, okay, yeah, it's right. Like that, that she's gonna be with Borg Queen. We we figured it out. I thought the journey would actually be ruined because we know the destination. But in actual fact, I'm enjoying the the journey. I'm enjoying how we're getting there because it's not very much the paint by numbers approach that we're seeing here. Like we got a musical number. Like <laughs> that's not your paint by number. Like yeah. that's and it, but it served a purpose because mm-hmm. of the endorphins. So I'm just like. Okay, I, I want to see what the next few steps because we've already called that she ends up in the in the chateau, and she she pulls she kills um, Picard's mother. We've called all this. I want to see how that happens, how we get there, mm. like what is the next steps? Yeah. Because I think it's it's interesting enough to see that final reveal, like of her in her full Borg regalia. And it's a nice two or three season arc storyline. So when we do go back and rewatch Picard seasons one to three or seasons one to two, you see the evolution of the character of Jurati. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah. It has been really well handled. And I think that's what we said at the time. You know, the, the, the journey is part of it. It's not that every plot point in the show has to be a secret or it's a spoiler if you know that this thing is happening. It's the journey getting there and how it's how well it's written and it has been. Both actresses in these roles have been fantastic yeah, since brilliant. they started working together, and just the playfulness between the two of them, parts of their personalities seeping into each of them as we've been going on has been really fun to watch. And now, yeah, just the expectation of what can happen uh, yeah. between now and the end of the series with uh, with Borg Queen in control is a, is a great way to leave it. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. So on that note, shall I jump into my point? Absolutely. It, it it is tangentially because I've already mentioned that the the Picard's mother being taken because that's what we see. We we see that Picard is reliving. Um, he is still in a coma, but he is essentially his mind is active and he's reliving what we see as flashbacks 
from previous moments in his life, uh, predominantly his mother uh, as him as a child in Chateau Picard. And that is what he consistently is rerunning through his mind. And we get like that very harsh cut of back and forth of the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be interesting because there's only one way to save him. Yeah. And that way to save him is for Talon to, which was very, very Star Trek. It's yep. like, well, I already have this thing that does the opposite, so I'm yeah. just going to invert it, and that will allow me to do what we need to do. I was like, yeah, okay, that was, yeah, Perfect all right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was like, here's that tool I already had in my back pocket for yeah. just such a situation. Um, no, no, for the opposite of this situation, yes, but I'll just but we'll, flip it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reverse the polarity. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because we were saying if the Borg Queen is killed or if Jurati is never seen again, how will they travel back? Mm-hmm. How will they move from this? I guess Talon will have something just sort of t- t- yeah tucked under the sofa cushion. <laughs> she might. Yeah. She might. Yeah. Oh, and we're also 100% going to find out that uh, Talon is Laris. Maybe. Like, we know that's coming. Like, that's it. She's changed her ears. She's put herself in hibernation. And she's secretly, like, 800 years old. Maybe, because they haven't stopped mentioning it. No, it's, it yes. must be where the crush developed was in this Here. time period. Yes. And she inserts herself... Yeah. Into, into his yeah. life later, yeah. There's, because they they showed the flashback mm-hmm. multiple times of her sitting in the episode one with a glass of wine. That was in the flashback. Absolutely. And in the same way, I suppose the reason why it stands out so much is because they haven't once, once mentioned that um, Adam soon looks like Data. Yeah. Yeah. We know that there is obviously the Soong family, but they haven't once mentioned data. So they're not mentioning that because there's no connection that they're going to explore with that yeah. storyline. They're definitely going to explore a connection with Laris because Talon's even asking Jean Luc to explain who this Laris is that he keeps mentioning, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, so there is definitely going to explore it why is, she looks like her. <laughs> it's, it's Picard's love across time and space, yeah. ultimately. Uh, yeah. I, I think. And that's why. We have Gates McFadden coming in for season three. He <laughs> will effectively give a good old slap across the face when she realizes that they are all hunky-dory. Well, maybe, maybe. He wasn't officially married, remember, to, uh, to uh, yeah, in the, in the no. prime timeline to, uh, to, to uh, Dr. Crusher. Um, it was mine. But I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced that she is Laris. I, I do think there's a little more complexity to it than that. They are being really clear about the fact that Talon is a humanoid and she's not a uh, Romulan, uh, unlike Laris. So they're being really clear about that. There's going to be a little bit more complexity to the story at the very least. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. But all we do know is she is going to save Jean-Luc. She is going to delve into his mind in the next episode. Yeah. And we are going to now get the flashbacks. We're going to get the story of the Borg Queen under Chateau Picard. Uh, um, and also the flashbacks to Laris. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to see both of them. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And I know that Talon has the piece of equipment, but if I was Jean-Luc and had a choice, I'd probably send Rafi in, given oh, that yeah. Rafi has known him as a person for quite a long time and probably wouldn't be surprised at any of the things in his mind. This possible new love interest hopping into your brain and seeing all the stuff that you keep hidden from everybody else. Ooh, that that's not something I'd enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I quite like a drop of wine. Hmm. So maybe whilst 
Talon has been on Earth for 20 odd years. You know, she's gotten a taste for the old glass of red. And then she sees that he owns his own chateau in the future. And they can have these lovely sort of events every so often, but also just nightly, I guess, where they they get a a good old full-bodied bottle of red. So you mean by by seeing the deepest, darkest secrets that he wants to keep hidden, she could fall more in love with him? Interesting. That that is very Hollywood. That is very Hollywood, I'm going to say. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not too sure whether like anybody poking inside my brain, uh, regardless of how how long I've known them. But I just wonder, given... Rafi is the most experienced with them and his first in command that uh, I would probably send her in. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I thought. Yes. But that's all my point for this one because we'll find out exactly what happens in the next episode. Interesting setup, isn't it? Um, yeah. To have him in a coma and it's yeah. going to go and explore that in a bit more detail than we've seen uh, throughout the season. You know, he, he could have just sat down and explained what had happened. We could have seen the flashbacks, but now we're going to have an interactive uh, holosuite version of it, I guess, <laughs> next episode. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a good one. But I'm yeah. also very much interested to see how they do it. Yeah, exactly. is it going to be? Is it going to be like the the flashback is happening in the in them and they green they green screen them onto the actual already pre recorded piece, like you said, the holodeck, or yeah. is it going to be like? she will be talking to the baby Jean-Luc Picard, who's already in his own <laughs> mind, going through the horror. It's that kind of, you know, how... how Because there's different ways you can do it from there a cinematic point. Yeah. So I'm just... I'm, it's going to be interesting to yeah, watch. Yeah, it is. And I know Talon was saying here that it's about breaking him from the block that's in his mind that's yes. keeping him in, that's keeping him comatose. It's not revisiting his history and watching his history. There's something in that history that's tying him uh, to to stay inside his own mind rather than... Coming back out. Yeah. To the moment. Yeah. How scary must it have been for Teresa, though, uh, to be to be called in at night for this uh, man that had been knocked down by a car. He's in a coma and she thinks, oh, I'll use my skills. I'll use my medical skills on this person that's come in. And then to realize that he's a synthetic human. Um, so she tries to restart his heart yeah. and effectively... <laughs> electrocutes yourself and shorts every piece of equipment in the uh, in the building how scary must it be for her to think i'm looking at a human body here and then get uh, get well the shocking discovery that it's not exactly human i say it was pretty shocking because she <laughs> says that she put in like what was it 20 volts mm. yeah um multiple times or 20 shocks excuse me and she's not happy either. No. So she she definitely takes it out on Rios. Definitely, yeah. So That's... I think that that love uh, or that romance across the ages might not be happening. Well, we'll see next episode, I'm sure, <laughs> or the episode after that. We'll definitely see. So lovey dovey in Picard. <laughs> it's great. It is. It is. Well, then let us change the tone. Mm. And move into Derek's point, because this one is not so much lovey-dovey. No. Yeah, it's not. It's the discovery that's happening in the episode from Corey finally finding out who she is. Um, or can I also say that Corey finding out that she's an allegory? Ooh, no. <laughs> God, old school callback to season one of The Simpsons there. Yes. Uh, yeah. But she has found meaning in those pictures and stuff. And herself. 
So she might actually be the living embodiment of an allegory as well, (laughs) which would be awesome. Yeah, Corey's discovery that she is, you know, the life work of Adam Sung rather than his daughter. You know, I thought it was really well laid out, really well put together. Um, Not 100% sure whether it's he's he's grown clones from scratch or um, that's that's what I presume it is. But there may be a little bit more to it than that. but I love the reveal. I love this, yeah. uh, this kind of going through the computer after she's hacked in and, and finding these really early videos thinking that they're her and hearing a name that isn't her name and then going through hundreds, it seems, of different, um, kids that have been grown this way or have, have come about this way and all, uh, and, and all dying in different circumstances and seeing Adam Sung get progressively more obsessed by it and then progressively more distanced from the children themselves and then finally we see him at his wits end saying Corey is the last one she is my final opportunity to do this can't do any more than this if this fails i can no longer persist with these experiments so it's a great reveal i thought i thought it was really well done and really interesting that this is what adam sung has been focused on for so long yeah because we know his family line does like to uh, stretch the mad sci- scientist um, gene a bit. They never tend uh, to let ethics get in the way of a, of a yes. good science experiment. Yes. No, 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 not at all. I, I enjoy. I enjoyed this one. I do think it is clones with um, with accelerated aging of some kind, mm. um, because there's multiple, multiple clones. So, like, we, we see hundreds of videos, at least hundreds of names, not hundreds of names, we see at least 20 names. Yeah. So, with the, if they're all going to be 20-something, like, that just doesn't, the, the timeline doesn't make sense if it was he was saying that they grew fast, he experimented fast. Well, he so, does call out that some of them pass away within a few weeks, though. Um, yes. Or some, of them, some of them within a few months. Um, so, I'm not sure whether everybody has lasted for as long as Corey has, and potentially that's the reason why he's developed such a relationship with Corey and is treating her so much like a daughter is because she's the only one that's grown to this age, but still can't go outdoors. But, but did she grow to that age? Yeah. Because she's like, I don't remember that. I don't remember yeah. that. I don't remember that. So I'm thinking those other ones, one of them was his actual child, and she died of this disease, and he's been cloning her and accelerating her birth and her age to essentially get try and get to where he's at now. Oh, maybe, because, maybe. I, yeah, I just so. assumed it was another challenge that he has never been able to overcome. Um, you know, we we saw that with the songs of the future. There, they have challenges that they couldn't overcome within their development, and were always trying to improve the process to yeah. create the perfect version of of what they were trying to create. So, uh, this Adam Sung is uh, trying to create the perfect human human uh, the perfect genetic human essentially what are you saying well that's it not even about just you know genetic scientists but you know he is dealing in in eugenics and as you say it is about creating this perfect person and so but i i thought it was really good as you say just just the tension how it built up you know uh cory's seeing he's distressed um has no idea why is asking him and i love he he comes back you know the why matters saving you my life's work you are the why yeah you are the why yeah um and of course that's an unusual thing you would say to your own biological child absolutely um and she's she's just 
confused, absolutely, can't as you, understand. As you would be. Yeah, he's he's not answering any questions, and and he's coming out with effectively riddles in yeah. Corey's mind. This this makes no sense. This is not the way he's. It's, it's to ramblings. Him. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Was he drunk? Because you know he comes in, he's distraught, annoyed because mm-hmm. he's failed. You yeah. know whatever has been promised in both ways, he feels he's not going to get. He's not going to be well, absolutely. Um, Rewarded. Re- rewarded by Q because yeah. he hasn't managed to kill Rene. Yeah. And um, she has gone into quarantine now. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought this was really good and a great way of pulling in Issa Brionis. You know, Absolutely. we were wondering yeah. how she was going to fit in here. And it's, yeah. it's actually really nicely done i, I yeah. like this yeah absolutely uh, a lot it's certainly a much better way than poor evan vangoria who uh, just gets a flash every episode as eleanor uh, that's all <laughs> that's all he gets unfortunately but uh, ah, he will be back. for now he will yeah. be for now he will be back excellent that that was it that was my uh, my major moment from the episode um yeah. anything else we want to talk about uh, in the episode that we may have missed no, I, I like that in 2024, this alternate 2024, there is still shameful PR photo shoots. Of course. Uh, where they literally have to pull over Renee to go, no, you got your time, do mm-hmm. your duty, get in front of him with the donors and smile for the camera. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they obviously need the uh, investment, uh, Chris, as, as we, well, as they, we well, saw. We know, well, <laughs> we know they don't anymore because uh, Sung has already just been wildly... Uh, Gracious with the cash and mm-hmm. it's enough to put him on a board, which is a couple of mil. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, there you go. No, so yeah, that was the only fun one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the only one for me is just the conversation with Talon and uh, Picard. I just really like that she is able to recognize the waver in his voice whenever he speaks or, or mentions Laris, and uh, then she follows up when he comes back with effectively a, a, a distraction. Dish goes, I now know how you lie as well. I thought that was a nice. Yes, absolutely. Really good. uh, Really good catch from her. (laughs) I liked it. I liked it. Excellent. Well, there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, Trekkers and Trekkies. That have our thoughts, our notes and our points for this episode. With that, John, two of three. Do you like this episode? What did you think of this episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed this again. Um, I give this four belting Jurati solos out of five. Nice. Um, I really loved the tropey framing device, um, <laughs> I know, against uh, you guys. I, I loved just this further development of Jurati and the Borg Queen. I like that in the flashbacks of the Tropy framing device. We do get to see a, a monster uh, for the first time, or it may have been at the end of the tropy framing device. It was. But we get to see a little bit of a monster uh, in terms of those flashbacks. You know that that block. I'm assuming that Laris is going to um, DIY out of uh, of Jean Luc Picard. Yes, so and I'm guaranteeing if you pause that scene, you will see exactly who that monster is. Yes. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I love just seeing all the characters, um, the crew in that social setting as well of the gala. It, it, it's something different. The confrontation of Picard with Adam Soong, great. The sage words from Picard to his ancestor, really just very powerful. Mm-hmm. I love the Picard assertion uh uh, pushing um, against Talon to yeah. interfere. And I, I just thought then, you know, with the cherry on the cake with uh, Corey realizing 
what she is or yes. who she is yeah. that you know we 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 get we it, you know it was signposted at the swimming pool with the look when she asked about her mother yeah and here uh we just get a really kind of fantastic moment where she um you know finds out that she is um created not born exactly uh, so yes. i thought that was great so really yeah i'd give this four belting jurati solos out of five derek what did you think of episode six of star trek picard i liked it um the direction of the episode probably my favorite part of it i've mentioned a number of times what uh jonathan frakes did but the episode really good there was just some things in the writing that i wasn't happy with the framing device the the loss of jurati with people wondering hang on a second she was really central to everything that was going on oh have we forgotten her <laughs> you know uh that was a bit weird um renem and jean-luc walking together into a car park jean-luc gets knocked down and then rene's just taken off but not on screen so we don't even That's see her true, getting taken actually, away yeah. uh, a couple of things and the episode was so short it felt like they just didn't have some of the scenes filmed like those scenes filmed so they just uh, kind of glossed over them i guess um so i so i i kind of felt this is a a little bit lower on the scale for the series but the story was great the direction was great and having at least one scene this season between Brent Spiner and uh, Patrick Stewart was worth it, definitely. So uh, overall, great episode, but just a couple of weird moments. How about yourself, Chris? I don't have much more to add. I'm actually more leaning slightly towards Derek on this one, but probably more to the point that just I'm reserving, the, again, the, the final order ju- judgment until we see where this goes. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying we we all do, but I'm just saying kind of for me it was it was short, but luckily I I rewatched the previous episode coming into this just uh-huh. to give myself that reminder because it and the two of them smashed together made sense. Yeah, it was a good back to back kind of two weaker. Yeah, but there there was just some choices, and I think that that was. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was like I couldn't film this because we had an outbreak on the thing, and so we're just skipping this. Mm-hmm. I've seen worse editing, uh, <coughs> Morbius, <coughs> Morbius. Um, but I've also seen great episodes of editing in this. So I'm kind of, yeah, it, it was a sufficient episode. Right. Let's see where it takes us yeah. next. But like that one shot with Jonathan Frakes with just Gerati. And her dress flowing in the wind as she walks into the distance was amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. really, really good. Yeah, really, really good. I need a drink, and you know that means one thing. John, can you take us away to Ten Forward? Yes, it is the Ten Forward pub quiz, or should I say, it's the Ten Forward Gala pub quiz. Ooh. Whether it is a club soda, a glass of champagne, or a scotch on the rocks, mm. who knows what you might like to have um, for. This week's quiz question from Ten Forwards. Excellent. It's a two-parter, so that's um, what makes it a Gallup quiz. It does question. exactly. <laughs> it is a two-parter, and mm. um, so here we go. Question six from episode six: What is the type of shuttle, and what nickname does Rennie Picard call the shuttle? As Jean-Luc tells her to look up as he tries to calm her down. That should be a good one. That's a great scene. I think everybody will remember the scene. Yeah, I think so. so. I, think, I think we'll find. I think. I think we'll find. Uh, oh yeah, you, yeah. It, it's an easy one to the point where I nearly 
dropped it in this episode <laughs> multiple times. I was like, oh, oh, no, can't say that. Oh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so it's it's call sign and nickname of the shuttle. Basically, Excellent. yes. So just to repeat that, what is the type of shuttle and what nickname does Rene Picard call the shuttle as Jean-Luc tells her to look up? as he tries to calm her down. Excellent. Put that together with all the other answers to all the questions for the 10 Forward pub quiz for this season. Email them into us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you could be in with the chance of getting your hands on some Star Trek Picard goodies at the end of the season. Thanks, John. Thank you, Mr. Harrison. No problemo. As we continue this gala episode, let's bring in some fellow trekkies and trekkers for some feedback don't forget if you have any thoughts you want to tell us and the other listeners you can email us at feedback at tv com or head on over to our facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries where each and every week we put up a spoiler post i should say derek our illustrious editor and producer puts up a spoiler post you can jump in there leave some comments we read them out in this episode like now where we got an email from Laura Renderbau, who said, Greetings and salutations, podcasters. I am a new listener, having found that one Picard-related podcast was insufficient to fill the time between episodes. I began listening to yours after Season 2, Episode 5, and am now fully caught up. I noticed some confusion in the Episode 5 podcast regarding some specific activities and want to clear up a bit. 2024 Adam Song is a geneticist who, due to his experiments, is now on the outs with the legitimate medical science community. His primary goal, to cure his daughter, Cor, from one or more life-threatening rare genetic conditions. It is mentioned that he experimented on ex-military. Could this dovetail into the work of the next Song? Good question. Well, we know it's not his daughter now, or is it? Question marks. Only time will tell. Laura went on to say, Enterprise NX-01 error, Arik Song is also geneticist, who is also disgraced in that when we first see him in Season 4 story arc, Episode 4, 5 and 6, he is incarcerated for genetically engineering the augments. Mm -hmm. When Captain Archer returns him to his cell, all his handwritten notes about genetics, eugenics, have been removed from all the walls. He says to Archer he thinks perfecting humanity may not be possible. He is now thinking about cybernetics, but he doubts he will finish the work as it would take a generation or two. He begins to make handwritten notes on new topic. Moving on to Star Trek Next Generation, the 24th century Noonien song is a cybernetist, husband of Juliana, father of Alton, father and creator of Data and Lore and B4. Perfector of the positonic matrix necessary to create synthetic sentient androids. He lives a very long life. Mm -hmm. As part of Star Trek Picard, first seen in 2398, Alton song, son of Noonien, mother unknown, brother of Data and co-creator with Bruce Maddox of the children of Data androids, Daj, Soji, and all their siblings. His exact credentials are not stated, but it seems cybernetics is his main focus, although the golem body he made goes well beyond that field. The glowing monument statue in the bay we saw in episode 2 is of Adam Song. That's right. You speculate that because Cor doesn't remember her mother and Adam's answer to her question seemed false, that Cor might be synthetic. Because the Soongs 
don't seem to switch to cybernetics for at least another hundred years, I pose the following hypothesis. Core isn't synthetic, but entirely lab-created human. The ultimate genetic no-no that the 20th and 21st century people think of when they think of cloning. Adam seems to make up his answer to Core question because he doesn't really know. Core's mother was a donor of genetic material that Adam knew nothing personal about. One other thought I have for you is Jean-Luc and Seven were both assimilated and later removed from the collective and deborgified. Stand to reason the same could be done for Agnes. Mm-hmm. Live long and prosper, Laura Rendabau. Thank you, Laura. Yes, they are definitely XBs. We do call them out all of season one as being XBs. Excellent. Thanks so much for clearing that up, uh, Laura. Yeah, I know we had to, we had some kind of challenges last week because this is Adam is a is a new member of the Sung dynasty, let's say. Um, so it's 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 interesting to see all the kind of flow of it. I think particularly um the one from Enterprise when you mentioned it there, with Captain Archer going to visit visit Arik Sung. I absolutely remember that episode because I definitely saw it. So uh, so that uh, that kind of adds into the. Uh, the legacy of the uh, of the Sung dynasty. Thanks so much, and great to hear you on board with us for uh, for Star Trek Picard season two. Yeah, great stuff, Laura. Thanks um, for all that information. Really good stuff. Uh, and I definitely um, would say yes. Agnes could also be deborgified. Yeah. Uh, I do like that word. Yes, but will that destroy the timeline? Oh, timey wimey. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah, we also have another email in from Victor Von Doom. Greetings, Trekkies, says Victor. The triumvirate of Stuart, Freaks, and Spiner has truly blown the roof off this series. At times, I forgot I was watching a Star Trek episode. Picard's Motley crew sure cleaned up nicely for the gala. Mm-hmm. Pat Benatar should be proud of Agnes's performance. I wonder how much of that was Agnes or the Borg Queen. Mm. I hope Agnes can find an enema to flush out Her Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, now we know, though, where the soon curse began. Brent Spiner was on fire in this episode. As always, I look forward to TVPI podcasts and great feedback. Peace and love, Victor Von Doom. Yeah, thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, it's I've really enjoyed Picard bringing in Frakes and Spiner and as well Marina Sirtis from last season, uh-huh. as well as with Whoopi Goldberg as mm-hmm. well. Uh, in in this season, it's just been really good, and you you do just get that next generation tingle. It's really really good. Yeah, um, you see, I think you just feel. Not only seeing great actors that are really comfortable with one another yep. in their profession, but also that they're just good friends. So I really like it. Absolutely. Wait till next season when LeVar Burton and, and Michael Dorn join the group again. It'll be a really, really fun to watch. Won't it? Thanks so much, Victor. <laughs> we also had some Facebook feedback about our episode five podcast where we discussed a possible nod to Captain Kirk's two handed punch. And Jamie Lawton had some thoughts about it. He says on the double fisted punch, Pedro in that episode was handcuffed. So had to double fist punch. This punch was also used by Jonathan Archer from Enterprise in 1944 in the episode Stormfront when a prisoner of of the Nazis, his hands were also handcuffed. It was also used by Jean-Luc Picard when he was fighting a Nausicaan before he was stabbed in the episode Tapestry, also in a couple of episodes of Lower Decks by Commander Jack Ransom, of course. First seen on screen by Spock in The Man Trap against the Salt Vampire, 
Kirk actually only used it in two episodes in Arena Against the Gorn and another episode called Journey to Babel. That's really interesting. I would always have associated that double, double-handed double punch to Kirk, but I think it's probably because of that fight with the Gorn in the yeah, arena. That's such a, an iconic moment that's shown so often when they show clips of the original series. Um, You see that fight between him and the Gorn, him throwing that double-handed punch. I always thought it was a William Shatner original, Um, but it wasn't even him that th- th- threw the first one on screen. Fantastic, Jamie. Thanks for that. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Yes, thank you so much, Jamie. Um. My God, you guys are blowing me away with the lore here. Um, Over to Dr. Bob Phillips, who had this to say about episode six. So that's what happens if you try to cardiovert a synthetic. Seriously, though, that clinic is running on 2012 tech. Mm -hmm. Bummed that sexy doctor dropped in an episode earlier than my prediction. I've already said this, but Dr. Bob did say this earlier. Jurati singing is proof that the universe is in perfect balance. Is it on one side Agnes, on the other Chris Jones? Yep, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I keep the universe in balance at all times. That is my goal and is my role within the world. Love um, it. Oh. <laughs> that's not helping. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's. I'm just. That's why suddenly things are out of balance. See, Agnes hasn't sung yet. Moving on, Doctor Bob had this to say. Absolutely loved the clone discovery twist of Corey, and the best line of the episode has to be from Non Laris, where she said, "A lot of what we do is protective. It doesn't mean it's good for us." Very good. Yeah, Very good. that was a good line. Yeah, that was in response to um to being told that Picard's in a coma. We should keep him that way. Just kind of going, "Oh no, hang on with your uh, terrible version of medicine here." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We also got some feedback from Heather Wallace, who says someone's been binging on Orphan Black. Is that why all the sung men are identical from the 21st century to the 24th? In Greek mythology, Cori is another name for the goddess Persephone, the name of the first clone. Persephone was forced to live six months of the year in the underworld with Hades, and here Cori can't go out into the sun. I hope she has her own bedroom in that underground lair. So far, we've only seen her asleep on the sofa. I'm all for suspending disbelief, but why didn't the band wonder who the total stranger joining them out of nowhere was? But I guess Sung brought his way in on the board. Maybe it's commonplace for rich guests to make a donation and indulge their singing ambitions? <laughs> Very good, Heather. Yeah, I was kind of wondering how the band uh, knew that she yeah, was going to be doing to a jazz version of Pat Benatar's 80s hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be a real surprise, wouldn't it? Or maybe they had that on the cards and it was the Borg Queen that knew that that was happening. Oh, there you go. Oh, I like that. It could have been that way around, you know, yeah. the, with the playlist on MS Word or something. <laughs> I like that, John. I like that. She hacked into MS Word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the Borg Queen could do that, definitely. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. That's really interesting about, uh, about the naming convention for all of the clones that... Um, that uh, Adam Sung has used because we do hear the name Persephone called out as one of the one of the previous clones yeah, as well. Really, um, really uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, like it does seem almost like a bit of a pod that Corey lives in, doesn't it? Because she does seem to be sleeping on the couch and stuff um, pretty often. But I think there's a couple of rooms off the side. I guess they just I, I didn't build so. the sets yeah. for them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think she was having a, an afternoon cat nap or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Thanks, Heather. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Jamie Lawson also has another little bit of uh, feedback over on Facebook. He says. Nice shout out to Enterprise opening credits with the appearance of the shuttle model. Oops, kind of spoiler for your uh, 10 forward pub quiz question. It really is. So we can't go 
into the um, sort of designation name for mm-hmm. the shuttle, but the same shuttle is in the opening credits of Star Trek Enterprise. It is. Um, yes. Yeah, we had to look it up. I'm now singing uh, Faith of the Heart uh, in I my head over opening. and over again. Thanks, Jamie. Um, but it is really interesting. It's effectively the bridge between the old NASA space shuttles and Zephram Cochrane's ship where he made first contact. So, um, yes. And well, it was warp drive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So quite interesting that they have, uh, to have that directly referenced here in Star Trek Picard. A great catch, Jamie. A nice Easter egg for, yep. for those of you that picked it up as Fantastic well. Fantastic uh, catch. I know I missed it. Yeah, great <laughs> stuff. Thanks, Jamie. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Trekkies and Trekkers. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you enjoy what you hear, why not share it with your friends? Because, John, tell them why. Yes, because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the lovey-doveyness. Absolutely. That's lots of love to share in this episode. And this episode of TV Podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters over in Patreon, including Jeff McMurray. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks so much, Jeff. Yes, thank you, Jeff. Don't forget, you can support us monthly for any amount over on patreon.com slash Industries. Or if you'd like to support us for a one-off donation, you can pop over and keep our illustrious editor in coffee by heading on to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI. Mm-hmm. We'll be back next week with Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 7. Your feedback and... The next question to our 10 forward pub quiz. So make sure you join us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We also continue covering Marvel's Moon Knight starring Oscar Isaac, Mm -hmm. May Calabway and Ethan Hawke. Episode three coming out April 13th. If you're not watching Moon Knight, definitely check it out. Uh, A mind bending fun show from Marvel. Loving it so far. Definitely. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. See you again soon. Yep, thanks for joining us, fellow Trekkies. As always, a pleasure. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Bye. Bye. Bye.